0: cinemas were everywhere. Between 1906 and 1922 they spread across the country.
1: Welcome to 100 Years 100 Objects stories from the collections of Lancaster City Museums. My name is Rachel Roberts and I'm the collections registrar for Lancaster City Museums. In this series we're celebrating 100 years of our museums by looking in depth at 100 of our favourite objects and the stories that they can tell. Today, on 100 Years, 100 Objects, we're diving into the glitzy history of cinema and looking at an object that tells us about the stories playing out not just on the screen, but in the theatre itself. Today's object is an advertising card from the Cromwell Cinema in the 1920s. Each card would originally have been a small rectangle, under 15 centimetres high, but today there are small sections missing from the edge of one of the cards, and roughly the top third of another is lost. The cards are printed on both sides in black and white, and the originally off-white card has darkened and yellowed over the years. At the top of one of the cards is a circular picture of the proprietor, Michael J. McGee while the rest of the cards are crammed with all the salient information that a patron could need, including general information about the theatre, prices, how to book, and upcoming films. Part of the text informs us that the films listed here are the programme for March 1922. We asked Professor Bruce Bennett, who teaches film studies at Lancaster University, to raise the curtain on the history of cinema at this time. We started off with some basic information on cinema in this area and how the Cromwell fit in.
0: Cinema appeared in Lancaster around about 1896, very, very early on. Cinema, in general, appears around about 1893, 1894. The first film screenings by the Lumiere brothers in Paris of the Cinematograph take place in December 1895. So just a few months later, we see Lumiere films being screened in Lancaster. And they would have been screened at that time by travelling showmen who would have put on a show in a church hall... Or would have shown films as part of a variety theatre programme. You might have seen films at the Winter Gardens in Morecambe or, or the Grand Theatre in Lancaster. And also as part of touring fairs as well. There'd be a, like a fairground stall where you could go and see a film screening. Maybe a 20-minute film screening. Apparently Colne in Lancashire was the location for the first dedicated film venue. The first cinema that was built built there in 1907. So Lancashire is sort of at the centre of the introduction of cinema to Britain. The Cromwell Hall was one of several cinemas in, in Lancaster in the 1910s and 1920s. There were three or four main film viewing venues. This began showing films in 1907. It claims on the the programme to be the first cinema in Lancaster. And it closed down in 1922, the same year that this programme came out, because of competition with picture palaces so from the mid-1910s onwards dedicated cinemas were being built in Lancaster and the Cromwell which was a space that had been adapted to film viewing couldn't compete with these these grander more sumptuous spaces. The Palladium cinema was opened in the centre of lancaster in 1914 that was the first purpose-built cinema in lancaster on the town square and the hippodrome which was on dalton square was screening films from 1910 the palladium had 575 seats it was fairly big the hippodrome which became the county cinema in 1921 had 825 seats so these, these were fairly large spaces bigger than the cromwell hall this was a smaller venue
1: The programme lists a dozen films which are soon to be shown at the Cromwell, including Flirting with Death, The Peddler of Lies and Rouge and Riches. We asked Bruce to tell us about the sorts of films that were popular in the 1920s and how American cinema was taking the country by storm.
0: After the First World War, American cinema became in in Britain the, the most popular source of film production. Before World War I, the market share of the US was about 50 percent. After World War One. it was about 90 percent. It completely overwhelmed other film-producing countries. And that's the case with this programme. Most of these films are American films. There's a mixture of melodramas and thrillers and comedies. And the reason for this was twofold, partly because the impact of the First World War damaged film production industrially in Britain. But it was also because of the types of film that American filmmakers specialised in, which were more entertaining they made films that were full of joy and full of fun whereas British cinema in this period was much more concerned with producing culturally respectable films films that were based on plays derived from the theatre and films that were concerned with a sort of heritage image of Britain as well very like what British cinema consists of now it was the same type of cinema that was being produced then an American cinema was much more attractive to audiences in the 1920s at that point, rather than the sort of culturally respectable middle-class type of cinema that British filmmakers felt audiences should be watching. Film production began in Hollywood in really in the 1910s. So Hollywood was a producing centre by 1922. It took over from New York, which had been the focus of film production in the States before that. And what people liked about American films in this period was that they were narratives that were focused on characters, on individuals who could change their circumstances. American cinema has always been organised from the 1910s onwards around heroes and protagonists who are active agents, who can change the circumstances that they find themselves in. They can overcome obstacles and barriers and improve their lives. They're not locked into the situation they're born in. British cinema was obsessed with class, hierarchies and boundaries. American cinema was much less interested in class. And so for British audiences, it was much more hopeful. Charlie Chaplin was probably the most popular film star coming out of America, even though he was British. And Chaplin's films are about a character who struggles to overcome the limitations that he finds himself in. And that's a, that was deeply attractive to British audiences, particularly working-class British audiences. American cinema represented sort of hope, possibility, the possibility of changing and improving your, your life. One of these films, for example, um, Rouge and Riches, is a film about a, a Broadway chorus line girl who's determined to marry a millionaire and that film is exactly it's a melodrama uh, and a romance that film is exactly capturing this sense of possibility that American cinema played with at that time.
1: Of course this was before the first film with sound or talkie which wouldn't arrive until 1927. So how is the experience of a silent film different to films today and what would visiting the Cromwell in 1922 have been like?
0: silent cinema was never silent there would always have been music played probably a piano in the case of the Cromwell Hall other cinemas would have had electric organs maybe a small group of musicians who would improvise most of these films wouldn't have had a, a score attached to them they would have uh, they would have been accompanied by musicians who were responding to what was on screen. The musicians that played in cinemas would have had a stock set of themes that they could move between chase music, romance music, suspense music, maybe sort of popular songs that the audience would recognise, dropped drop those into. So music was a really important part of the silent cinema experience. They would have been shown continuously. This had a continuous exhibition format, and that was a standard model. So rather than buying your ticket to go in at 7.30 or 8.30 to watch a film, you'd buy a ticket and go in at any point, even if the film was halfway through, and you'd sit there and wait until the film came back round to where you went in. This was a saying in, in, in British culture until relatively recently, this is where I came in. That's the case right up until the 1960s. It would have been noisy and chatty, people ate food, monkey nuts and and bags of sweets, so it would have been quite a busy environment, not like the theatre, where audience behaviour was a bit more restrained. This was more like variety theatre or musical, I think. The film's listed on the programme of feature films. So these are um, anything from you know, 50 or 60 minutes up to an hour and a half. Feature films during this period might have run to two hours. They would have been screened with short films as a prologue, possibly a newsreel as well. So there would have been a variety of films there are five real and seven real films listed in the program so a reel of film at this time lasted about 15 minutes so that gives us a sense of how long these these would have run for
1: Next, we wanted to know a little bit more about the patrons who were visiting the Cromwell.
0: People went two or three times a week. It was a, it was a normal, everyday part of people's leisure activity. something people did very regularly, not something that was a special event. That's partly because cinema was cheap compared with other forms of entertainment. So the cheapest seats here are a tuppence at the Cromwell Hall. And it's partly because cinemas were everywhere between 1906 1907 and 1922 they spread across the country very very rapidly every town had a number of cinemas so it was something that that people did almost in the way that we would watch TV now, I suppose. It was part of popular culture, a really integral part of the texture of popular culture. Children went as well as adults. Families would go weekends. So it was, for some commentators, it was seen as really positive because it was a family activity rather than something that was restricted to adults or, or just men. Temperance campaigners liked the cinema because it, 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 it posed a challenge to the pub, which was gender segregated, which was restricted to men. This was a sort of family-oriented entertainment, as far as some commentators were concerned. A lot of women went as well. Perhaps surprisingly, this period, 1922, the the majority of the film-going audience were women, maybe as high as three-quarters of the audience. And the reason for that was they had time and also because film producers and cinemas targeted women they realized this was a a really valuable part of their audience so film producers made films for women audiences melodramas and romances were a really important part of their output films that deal with women Protagonists and women's sort of dilemmas and, and struggles. And cinemas themselves adapted their provision to women customers as well. So bigger cinemas would have creches and powder rooms and complimentary beauty products. It was a, a safe space, a communal space. The programme says it's got some little maxims and, and mottos on it, including the Cromwell, the tired person's resting place. And that sense of the cinema as a, a space of refuge and escape was was really important of course also for women it's a space that they could be in without being observed as well it's a safe social space it's one of very few social spaces women could be in where they're not on display they're in the dark comfortable seats it's warm so the cinema itself was a pleasurable space to be in leaving aside the actual films that were being screened there in britain the middle classes and the upper classes were extremely dismissive of cinema Cinema was seen as a pretty abject aspect of British culture. No one who was educated or socially respectable would admit to going to the cinema or liking films at this period. The reason was partly because they're associated with American culture. There was a concern about the cultural contamination of America on British culture, that it was going to sort of dilute British culture and make it vulgar. And it's partly because it was seen as second class compared with theatre. There's a very clear sense in Britain of cinema belonging to having a fairly low status within the cultural hierarchy compared with theatre, opera, music, uh, literature. It's not so much the case in Europe, definitely not the case in America. But in in Britain, yes, it was seen as almost an embarrassment. So British cinema, British film production during this period was generally concerned with trying to elevate film To sort of aspire towards what was seen as sort of culturally respectable. So that's why we have a lot of British films based on 19th century novels and plays. Dealing with ideas of Britishness as well. To some extent, there's one British film on this programme, which is The Fifth Form at St Dominic's. This is based on a, a 19th century story about a boarding school. And that story by Talbot Baines-Reed was a very influential story. He wrote lots of stories about boarding schools and that became the basis for a genre of literature in the 20th century. That really encapsulates the difference between what American cinema is and what British cinema is in this period.
1: We couldn't let Bruce leave without asking him about a very peculiar aspect of the programme. Along the left-hand edge of one of the cards is written, the death rate is lower, the Cromwell is keeping people alive. We asked what this strange message could mean.
0: This is really strange. It's a, it's very funny, this programme. I think there's a lot of irony running through it. You get the sense that Michael McGee, the proprietor, was, was quite a showman. The portrait of him suggests that. And there are little ironic details around it, like Tennyson's brook, the Cromwell, as well. This is a reference to the Tennyson poem, the brook. I'm not quite sure what, what that means. One of the lines of Tennyson's poem men may come and men may go but I go on forever I, I guess that's meant to refer to, the, to to their cinema it's going to be there forever but this the line about safety the death rate is lower this is really interesting I think this might be a reference to cinema fires one of the reasons why there was a moral panic around cinema in the, the 19 early 1900s was because cinemas were dangerous because they used cellulose nitrate film which is very flammable. It could explode or catch fire very easily. Film projectors get hot because they have electric lamps in them. So cinema fires were an early hazard in cinema, and they became the focus of a lot of panic. People were very worried about fires in cinemas. There were some notorious fires in the 1890s and early 1900s in cinemas. There's one in France, in particular in 1897, that killed 126 people. And it was both the, risk, the fire risk, but also the risk of getting crushed trying to leave these buildings because the health and safety regulations were non-existent. They didn't have fire escapes. One of the ways in which cinema owners dealt with this is by building fireproof projection booths to house the projectors that would be lined with asbestos and have steel doors. So I think that comment about the death rate being lower at the Cromwell is is a reference to that. They've thought about how to make this a safe space.
1: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of 100 Years 100 Objects. Don't forget to catch some of our other episodes which start objects from maps to model dinosaurs.